You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Tabletop Arcanum, we're your hosts, Justin and Ricky. We have, well, an adjustment. We're not going to be talking about Point Salad directly this time. We're actually going to move that review to the next episode, but that's only because we got the opportunity to talk to the designers behind Point Salad and about their new upcoming game, Dollars and Donuts, and everybody knows donuts are better than salad. I mean, it is an arguable fact that is backed by science, so... Before we jump into that, Justin, what have you been playing? Well, I've been playing some board games, uh, Point Salad, to get ready for the review and, and talk about it some more. And also, it's a nice light game that uh, it's very easily played and quick. We played a little bit off the shelf of Shame recently. I got the Legend of Drist, a D&D adventure tile game. Um, kind of a dungeon crawler with scenarios and got through four or five of the scenarios. We got about half of it done because um, i think there's 12 or 14 in the book i can't remember off the top of my head but there's we got a good chunk of that down and that was just kind of like hey okay, we got this game keep going keep going mm-hmm. keep going then i also played uh ticket to ride with the lady which was my best ticket to ride game yet uh, i got my best uh new best score which was nice it was nice to actually good. like like hey i know this is a personal best i have not done this good and it was pretty much dominating the East Coast with, and then farming for tickets to get more, like, I'm already connected to these two cities. Satisfying. And I'll get more points. Or, mm-hmm. I'm not connected, I'm connected to one of these cities, and I'm literally one route away from the other city on this card. Might as well grab that. Mm-hmm. West Coast cities, nope, goes back to the pile. And then Mansky Caper uh, from Calliope Games played a little bit of that, too. Uh, a little bit of a heist, push-your-luck limit game. Trying to steal stuff from the boss's mansion, um, but all his safes are rigged to explode. So hopefully you don't explode and you get the loot, and then you can stash the loot and get the most loot out of the crew. Who doesn't rig all their safes to explode? Well, when it's in your mansion and the rooms get destroyed, like it's kind of one of those, like, I hope he has a backup plan or a really good insurance policy. Because, yeah, it's definitely like, the if, insurance. Because if you blow up your mansion uh, on purpose, it's you got to have a plan. Hmm. Uh, what about you? What have you been playing? Of course, Point Salad. My girlfriend has been loving it. Uh, but on top of that, we also have been playing, of course, Harry Potter and uh, Monopoly Draw. It's It's been a lot of lighter games for us, uh, something that we both can enjoy while we're still being isolated. But So without further ado, here is our interview with Rob and Sean from Flat Out Games. Enjoy! Hi, hi, and welcome. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, we got you guys uh, from Flat Out Games. We have both Sean and Rob. Thank you for joining us and taking time out to talk to us. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having us. Let's start with uh, who you guys are and uh, what you do over at uh, Flat Out Games. All right, well, I'm, I'm Sean Stankiewicz, uh, one-third of the Flat Out Games board game design and publishing collaborative. Lifelong gamer. Um, actually started off with a lot of video games when I was younger and just recently kind of got into hobby board games with the Catan and Carcassonne kind of wave. Uh, and actually, all of Robert, Molly, and I kind of got into it at a similar time and started playing games together. And over the past, I guess it's been... 
almost three years now we've been uh, designing and now publishing games um, together as a team. So uh, we're just a collaborative of keen gamers who decided to try our hand at uh, doing some board game design. And, uh, you know, a few years later, we've got a few published games under our belt, a few that we have published with uh, sort of other other publishers, uh, as well as one game that we launched on Kickstarter ourselves last year, which is a game by a friend of ours. And we have another one uh, coming as well. So we kind of do um, all of board game design, development, publication, marketing, all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, been a really wild ride over the last three years. And that's kind of uh, kind of what we're, what we're all about. What would you add to that, Rob? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you said it pretty much. Uh, pretty much, I'd say the exact same thing, except I'm one of the other thirds. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, with Sean and Molly out west, myself uh, in central Canada or whatever, so we're kind of spread out all over. But really, when we went into this, it was pretty much, let's try and do a little bit of everything. And so far, we've stayed true to that, both designing our own and then... Um, developing and publishing others it's uh it's been a really cool experience to do a little bit of everything nice that's actually yeah, super cool um that you guys are not only young uh in the in the industry wise but then got a couple games on your belt already and and pushing forward to the future so that's mm -hmm. awesome one thing that we always ask our guests is what have you guys been playing lately i would say play testing your own games is kind of assumed but is there anything else that you guys have been uh jamming on that you've been uh liking uh, for myself, recently got in a uh, first game of Horrified, which was uh, did go pretty well. It was pretty harsh. We played five player, which I, I don't know. More people out on the map means maybe a little bit more chance of uh, doing some damage. But uh, we were unsuccessful, but I'm interested to try it out again. It's definitely one of my favorite themes for, for board games. The other, uh, I guess, as, as we're in a time of a bit more social distancing. The one uh, app I've been trying out quite a bit of is the the, the new uh, Roll for the Galaxy app, which mm. is uh, is really well designed and uh, has been uh, a lot of fun so far. Awesome. Uh, what about you, Sean? Nice. Yeah, my gaming has been very limited lately <laughs> because of the the lockdown, um, and so uh, no regular gaming group. So a lot of tabletop simulator which mm -hmm. means a lot of our uh, game prototypes and a lot of other designers we know play in other people's games. Um, but uh, recently did some board game arcade, board game arena. I always mix that up. Correct. Board game, board game arena. arena, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so uh, we did Downforce and Potion Explosion, and there's been mm. a handful of games on there. So I actually got to play Downforce for the first time, and it's a really, really interesting game. Uh, and that was, was it the original or the one that Restoration fixed up? I think it's the Restoration yeah. version. Okay. On, on it's there. the Restoration yeah. version. And we, are, we, we talked about that and we had a hard time figuring out what the original was like because we mm -hmm. don't even know where to look for it. So I, I'm always, right. I'm really curious about what, what, what they changed. Uh, that one I'm not as familiar with personally, mm. what they changed. Like, uh, a buddy of mine had the original Stop Thief, and then we got the right. their their version of Stop Thief. And he, he was like, he told me, like, blow for blow what they changed. I'm like, okay, at the core, it's probably going to be very much the same, because um, mm -hmm. that's what they try to do. They try to keep the spirit of the game, but then, of course, uh, modernize the, the mechanics a little bit. so modernized in terms of the mechanics. Like, I yeah. can't imagine a game 
like that existing and it not being a bit more of a, a classic. So right. it makes me think they must have changed or improved something. So it's I'm, I'm always interested in, in finding out what yeah. what it was that uh, in its original form. Well, so we've asked what games you've been playing lately, but since we are going to be themed right now, uh, we do need to know what your guys' favorite donuts are. Well, this one's easy for me. I would just love a plain glazed donut. That's I'm super boring like that, but <laughs> that's my favorite. Just keep it simple. Uh, I don't I don't disagree with that. Um, I think with those, it's extremely important that it's from the right place. Uh, you can get some mm. pretty bad plain glazed donuts in my opinion, but I still go back. Uh, my fallback always is a uh, Boston cream. Um, definitely my favorite. And then uh, I don't think it is in much in, as much in the U.S., but then there's the maple cream in Canada, and so it's also pretty much just as good. Okay, so uh, and the maple cream is that like? Um, it's just maple instead of chocolate. Yeah. It's maple instead of chocolate. Okay, I could see nah, that. It's beautiful. Sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. It's good. And on the on the Canadian donut trivia uh, side <laughs> of things, there's also so there's like a, there's a, a few weird donut terminologies that are different between the between Canada and the U.S. So, like, one is, like, a long john. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've never heard of that, right? I've heard of long johns. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe, so I'm going to, like, I, I'm pretty sure that's, like, a, it's just, like, a long, the long, like, rectangular yeah. donut. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that's a Canadian term. Um, and there's a, and then there's also, like, calling a, a cruller a cruller. Yeah, it's like a pronunciation thing, and I don't know. There's a lot of things that are Canadian versus like versus mm-hmm. American, but there's also like Midwest versus everywhere else. So there's a lot of stuff that we yes. have in common with like, you know, Minnesota and other parts of the Midwest coming coming from Manitoba. So I always get confused now that I'm living in Seattle as to like what the Canadian terms are, but I always find those things really interesting. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say, being only uh, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. And it's a lawless land. It's yeah, it's 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 interesting what's Midwest versus what's Canadian versus what's what everybody else does, because it, it's it's a little bit of a blurry lines when it comes to it, it. it. Yeah, it's just so dependent on what it is. Like some can some are pretty hard boundaries and some are spread yeah, right into, into the Minnesota, Wisconsin area. So that's a little bit about you guys and what you like. Uh, so let's start talking about Flat so, Out Games as the the collaboration between uh, the two of you and Molly. Who is uh, who is Flat Out Games? Uh, uh, so Flat Out Games is, like I said earlier, we're really kind of a, a do-it-all game collaborative in the sense mm-hmm. that um, our prim- we primarily started off just designing games. Um, we started off with our, our friend Justin Ladia, who's a graphic designer, was originally part of our team so it was the four of us that started it way back in 2017 and so the first the first game actually so dollars to donuts is actually the first kind of real game that we designed together as a group and uh and so it's now or on kickstarter now i guess the first game that we had published as a design group was actually point salad um so that was a game that we designed uh, in the later part of 2017 got signed in 2018 and then came out in in 2019 so you know just a testament to the amount of time it kind of takes to to go through all the 
process of making a game, of course. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, a friend of ours, Kevin Russ, had a game. It was just just a paper prototype of a, a tiling game that he had called Quixotic Quilts, and we played it, and we're like immediately enamored with the kind of the mechanisms and just the simplicity of this really puzzly game. And that game ended up um, turning into Calico, which we published, which we're currently is about to get on a ship fulfilled to backers very soon. Uh, so that'll be our first game that we we actually were behind the publication of. And so to do that, we built a team of uh, collaborators um, and formed what we call the Flat Out Games uh, Collab, uh, which is basically the, th- the three of us founding members, uh, Molly, Rob, and myself. And then we've added other people to kind of come on on a project by project basis to help publish games. So some of those folks include Dylan Mangini, who actually did the art and graphic design for Point Salad. He's part of our collab and he does a lot of graphic design for us, as well as David Yetzi, who's a board game designer who uh, actually works at uh, Wizards of the Coast right now, but he mm-hmm. was heavily involved in in development on Calico. Um, so we just kind of here in Seattle had a, knew a lot of folks that really good designers, developers, graphic designers, et cetera, and said, hey, why don't we make a go at making this game? And Kevin was really interested in the publication end too. So he was really instrumental in being really involved, uh, getting to kind of work on the development of his own game, getting to help promote it, travel to conventions and stuff. So forming a collaborative to, to get the project done was was a lot of fun. And so we've kind of taken that now as a model that's been pretty successful for Calico and we're kind of moving it forward. So that is all kind of one division and the other division is we still continue to design games, just the three of us. Uh, Molly, Rob and I do a lot of game design and development and generating ideas and building prototypes and that sort of thing. So part of Flat Out Games is really still focused on kind of designing really generally speaking, really kind of like simple light games. We really like uh, really rules light stuff, kind of family gateway and just taking like different themes. uh, We like real world themes and taking like simple and novel kind of mechanisms and just trying to boil them down to like very simple interactions and that sort of thing. So Point Salad is kind of a good example of the kind of games that we really love. They're just really straightforward. You can teach them to anybody and that sort of thing. So that's kind of the mm-hmm. way that our design team uh, is focused. And um, so, yeah, that gives us a real opportunity to work with a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. So we have really great uh, relationships with different publishers we're working on to publish our games and then just good relationships with designers for people that were interested in helping them make their make their games nice that's really awesome uh rob do you have anything to expand on that yeah not not too much i'd say (laughs) yeah mostly design on the first bit um for the first while and then waiting for the right opportunity when we found games that we were very passionate about that we knew that if we weren't involved in the publication that we wouldn't get to be involved in the game when that came around when we felt it had a vision, when we felt the game matched what what we want, almost what we feel we understood and mm-hmm. knew what, what was solid about the game and what we could sell people on, it kind of solidified that that was going to be uh, our first attempt at our own publication. Awesome. You guys kind of touched on it with who Flat Out Games is, but is there any other games or projects that uh, you guys have been involved with? Well, yeah, like as Sean mentioned... 
Point Solid was our very first published game. Not necessarily one of our first designs, but but one of our first, not the first, uh, not the first, but uh, right near the start. We've also had a uh, public market go to Kickstarter this past, I guess, winter. Dollars to Donuts coming to Kickstarter this year. Truffle Shuffle being released by AEG, kind of a what would have been their big game night uh, this this summer after Points mm-hmm. Out last year. You know that that uh, coming out this year. So those are some of the other ones. Sean, remind me if I'm missing any. Yeah, the big big one that we're gearing up for is we're going to be launching a Kickstarter this fall for Cascadia, which is right. um, kind of a follow-up game to Calico. It's another puzzly hex-based tile-laying game uh, okay. designed by a, our good friend Randy Flynn. So that's another collab game that we've been uh, we've been really busy getting ready, and that'll be going kind of out to reviewers and stuff soon. So we're just in the final development stages and getting all the art finalized for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Calico, Cascadia are the two, one, the two where we're uh, the publisher rather than the designer, and and uh, okay. it really fits that same mold of Calico, easy to learn, uh, surprising depth, that that sweet spot of being available for everybody to sit down and play. That's awesome because I'm always a, I actually am a big fan of games that are easily approachable, but like your your crunchy Euro gamers can still enjoy still too. Because if right. they if if you get a bunch of like heavy strategy players around point salad, yeah, it could be a pretty cutthroat point salad game. But you can also teach it to uh, you know young ones, old ones, kids. My my girlfriend hates any kind of uh, competitive games, but she actually enjoys this game because she can't be mad at me for more than fifteen minutes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, that's the beauty of it. Right. It's but but by the time you you're, you're mad, you're you're already done and the counting up points and going ah oh well next time let's start talking a little bit more about dollars to donuts and you know because that's your that's the new the new current baby that you're working with sean what exactly is dollar to donuts so dollars to donuts is uh, this is this is becoming a theme so it's a puzzly tile laying game um what's different from this from this game that uh so Calico and Cascadia, apart from Calico and Cascadia, is that this is one that we designed. Um, It doesn't, it uses one by four tiles, so not your traditional polyomino game where you've got the kind of Tetris shapes. These are all the tiles in this game are kind of the same, these long bars. And the kind of, I guess, unique part is that it's it's really more about matching what's on the tiles onto adjacent tiles. So what you're trying to do is create donut matches. And you can do that by creating perfect matches of the same type of donut and then creating these kind of mismatched donuts where they're one half of one thing and one half of another. And that drives um, the kind of economy uh, mechanism because if you mismatch donuts, you get dollars. And the dollars can be used for other things in the game. So effectively your players play as donut shop owners and they're trying to create the best displays of donuts to to sell to different customers that come in from three different neighborhoods. So there's a lot of kind of pu- simple puzzliness to it. Um, it's basically a kind of light medium euro style game with you know kind of limited luck and kind of market-based interaction and that sort of thing. So that's kind of the gist of of the game but again it's one of the one that you can 
play with a six or seven year old kid because they you know surprisingly kids these days are really good at spatial puzzles and so they can definitely mm -hmm. compete with their parents so it's a really great family game and the theme is bright and punchy and colorful and everybody loves donuts so it's been really fun to kind of work on um, bringing that to life working with crafty games the publisher along with dylan mangini who also worked on the art for point salad it's the same he's also doing the graphic design and artwork for dollars to donuts and then so where did dollars to donuts begin what was the idea of like let's make a donut game so i think what you said kind of puts a little bit of a light on our design style um mm -hmm. we definitely didn't go into it saying let's make a donut game what we did was honestly i think the first we we had like a monday meeting to say okay yeah let's let's try designing games and the next mm -hmm. week uh sean had one by four tiles with half circles and forgive me it's been over three years so it's hard to remember exactly <laughs> but had one by four tiles with these half circles and said well, how is this how could we make this into a game and so that was really how it started for me it was just instinctively why wouldn't it be donuts because um, we wanted that ability to if it's a perfect match that's great if it's partial match that's okay too but not as good and then what would that mean how how do people make decisions how do people make choices if it is these tiles then the question is how do people get the tiles are they just dealt them do you just pick one and then the bidding aspect or the purchasing aspect came into it then of course if you're going to spend money how do you get the money well that's from matching half donuts that's when you get the money so it happens pretty organically that way um, and just as time goes on we start to we pretty much come with a, an idea of okay well here's something that we think probably needs to happen in the game like for example game end should it be x number of rounds should it be this you just i think we we all just kind of talk about it figure out what we want to try first try it out and see if it works well and if it doesn't go back to the drawing board so the only thing i can really mention is uh that large kind of the biggest change from very the very first uh kind of iteration to now is is the customer aspect originally it was you get the donuts and they're worth x number of points but uh incorporating these different customers did help to make each game a little bit different and uh make it so that you know for some reason this customer wants four chocolate donuts so i'm going to do things a little bit differently than i would in yeah. the last game and then uh, incorporating more uses for the money so Originally, you just use them to buy the donuts, but all of a sudden on the back of money is all these other uh, bonuses that you can use throughout the game. So that's where the, the biggest variation is, has come in, and it really is just to make, make each game a little bit unique. That's great. Like Interesting like how you keep evolving that design as you go, too. It's like, okay, this is the base idea that we had. Let's build, you know, build tiles, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, what are we going to do with these? Right. So you, you yeah. start with one mechanic and evolve. Like, what, uh, what other pieces do you attach to that? We, and I, I think anybody who's played Point Salad can pretty mm -hmm. easily notice that we do not try and over-design our games. Keep it as simple as you can because don't add complexity just for the sake of adding it. Um, add it for specific reasons, and that's kind of what Point Salad was. It was, well, we could, you know, do we add more actions? Well, it doesn't seem like it needs it, so. Gotcha. And that, that definitely helps keep it... Uh less intimidating more approachable too because the yeah. more the more rules download you have to do to someone when teaching a game is uh, is risky 
So I know you went over um, a lot of the uh, mechanics already. What other mechanics are integrated into the game to really push it along? Yeah, so the like I said, the the primary at its at its core, Dollar to Donuts is a tiling game. But I think the things that make it uh, a little different is that we kind of realized early on um, or kind of asked ourselves the question like, okay, we're filling a grid with tiles. Um, the primary thing that's different about this is that it's not so much about filling in the board, like a lot of polyomino games are about like kind of Tetrising stuff together. This is actually more about the adjacencies of the different tiles as they touch one another, like trying to make combinations as, as you fill that board up. The other thing was it didn't seem like made sense to restrict players to keeping their tiles on the board when you have like these kind of long narrow tiles and you have Mm -hmm. a bunch of them and you start playing it becomes really restrictive to stay on like our it's a seven by seven grid and so we said well that's okay if you go outside the lines why why you know if we make the game end trigger to be the first person to fill their board and we give a little um and we say you get negative points for every open space, it means that you have the flexibility to play off your board a little bit, but you kind of have to catch up. It's a bit of a race game because the person who does the best job of filling the board the fastest will have that slight advantage over the other players, but it's it's, it's really not entirely about that. And I think the the biggest thing um, that drives the interesting decisions in the game is that it is a balance between scoring the most victory points by creating these donuts to sell the customers but also that you've got this conveyor belt of tiles that you're, that you're buying to put onto your board and so those have a range of costs to them and so if you don't have you start the game with only five dollars and so you could spend up to five dollars on your first tile so the only way to get more currency really is to mismatch some donuts so it's kind of a suboptimal play because you're missing out on scoring points but you have to do it every once in a while so that you can continue to get more money to be able to buy better tiles because you never want to get stuck with a tile you don't want so being able to buy higher up the market is just a really important part of the strategy so that not only that though those dollars tiles as rob mentioned have different bonuses on the back so you might get a half donut that can help fill a gap on your board and every every round you're allowed to place one a uh, little one by one tile onto your board to like fill fill space. So it's really um, I, I think that fans of the kind of Tetra style tiling games will find a lot uh, familiar with this one. Um, but what I think s- sets it apart is that those mechanisms that that kind of economic game, although it's a, pr- a pretty straightforward and light game, there's still some pretty crunchy decisions and it still is very competitive kind of when you're playing against uh, uh, players who like that uh, spatial puzzle that's a little bit more involved. So that's kind of, those are the main main things at work. And there's a little bit of set collection to the customers and that sort of thing as well. So yeah, there's a lot of little, little optimization puzzles throughout the whole game that means that you're going to play it for the first time and you're immediately going to know that there's ways that you could have improved exactly how you set up your board and the types of matches that you decided to make. So that's really what we want is to to provoke that in in gamers as they try it for the first time and say that was fun i know how i can do better you know let's play again so that's that's always the goal nice awesome sean you hit a lot of a lot like the things that makes dollars and donuts stand out is there anything else that makes it stand out from other games or uh even other donut themed boy uh, board games that are out there 
which there are surprisingly in a number of them that I did not think that there was that many donut games. You know, this was uh, one of the questions that I marked off as one for kind of me to, to focus on, and yeah. I didn't think of it. I've never played any of them. So I'm curious, Sean, if you have played any of the donut games that we always talk about and see and know about, but uh, how many of them you had a chance to try out? So I don't think I've played that many. I've obviously played Go Nuts for Donuts, which is actually designed by a local um, a person from Seattle here. And was originally uh, was originally published by Daily Magic Games, and then before uh, GameRate uh, uh, got the rights to it or co-published it, and so that was kind of a local one on the scene in Playtest Northwest, which is kind of our Playtest group in, in the Seattle area. Um, so, anyways, that one I'm definitely familiar with. Um, that's a fantastic, um, simple family game that I think does an amazing job of just boiling down this um, really basic mechanism of just we have to choose which card we want and if two of us choose the same one nobody gets it it's just that super simple <laughs> like let's all simultaneously pick something and, and then it just kind of goes down into like sushi go kind of set collection type stuff so it's just, it's that one's a bit of a twist on sushi go if you haven't if 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 folks haven't played it and i think it does a really great job it's it's simultaneous play so it's snappy really really like that game i think it does a lot of things a lot of things right so i i'm a big fan of that one i think dollars to donuts is obviously less of a light uh game it's more of a kind of light medium type of experience um so i think that kind of sets it apart it might be we knew that we had to kind of keep this game relatively light because of the theme in the sense that there's going to be a lot of like interest from family and kids and we didn't want to sort of like alienate um the audience obviously so right. trying to keep it so that the rules are really simple but the puzzle is kind of crunchy is is it was the goal with dollars to donuts for sure like with that being said who would you recommend this uh dollars for donuts for uh, what kind of groups would you are you marketing it towards kind of a carrier on that if like if you played x uh or if a fan of x you might want to look at dollars to donuts mm. yeah that that's a it's a good question i i think our primary focus is families i mean it's a family weight game but i think folks that like a simple kind of tile laying experience i think that uve rosenberg's recent series with Patchwork, uh, Indian mm -hmm. Summer, and Spring Meadow. I think that's a similar weight class to this. It's casual. I think people that like spatial puzzles will really enjoy this one in, in a similar vein to, to those games. And I think that was, you know, Patchwork's one of our very favorite games. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, folks that enjoy that kind of polyamono style uh, puzzle game are would really enjoy this so it really it, it hopefully can bridge that gap between being something that you can play with your family and kids will get a kick out of it and like collecting the little dollar like dollar tokens and the donut tokens and the colorful art and all that kind of stuff but be, beneath the surface there's definitely a lot of game to kind of master your trajectory to mastery on this mm -hmm. one it's 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 a lot of fun because you know we've played it so much and made so many changes and tweaks to it in development that we feel it's a lot of fun when we get our like the three of us together and play it because we're super competitive and right. have been playing it for so long and it's still a really big challenge and a lot of fun yeah the one i would um 
that I just as I was thinking about, it, I was trying to find that one game, and I I, I don't I think maybe uh, Karuba would be a similar weight in my opinion. Okay. That similar tile placement. If you're playing with family and everybody's kind of doing a little bit of a lighter game, uh, it works well, and and uh, you get those interesting decisions. But I've definitely definitely played those you know two three player games of Karuba where you're paying attention to where everybody is. You know exactly what. Um, tile they're hoping to get or what monument whatever is the monument that th- that they're going for and you want to get there first um, the same interesting decisions come into you know that person wants that customer so I'm gonna uh, grab it out from under them or mm-hmm. I know they want that tile so I'm gonna you know let them go one more round thinking it's gonna come down the conveyor belt but then I'll snatch it before it comes around to them so those are the interesting decisions that can come out of the game that's awesome, awesome. It sounds like an exciting game, and it definitely seems in that, like you guys were saying, the, the light to just, maybe just past Gateway, um, maybe your, not your first tile laying game, but maybe your second tile laying game, mm-hmm. um, and, and have that deep in strategy in there. So that's that's actually really awesome. And like uh, you brought up Yui, and like his tile laying puzzle games are just amazing. Uh, on all weight categories, it's it's kind of insane how he take, has become a master of that mechanic. Yeah, uh, it's always they've always been one of our favorite, the tile lane, just because it you take something that can be intimidating and just say, do like you only have a few choices, pick the best one, mm-hmm. play it as best you can, and move on. Right, and each turn you just kind of keep building on those prior decision points. Right, it's always it's always fun to have have something where you're you're building up. I think that's one of the things that we've noticed. Like players really gravitate towards construct, at least I think with the type of audience that we generally aim for, people like to make stuff, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. the thing that's great about Calico, right? You're like building up this quilt and at the end of the game, you've filled in every little hexagon to make this finished quilt um mm-hmm. with cascadia our next game you're building these environments and you're populating them with wildlife and each player no ne- you'll never play the game and have the same kind of continent again you're like building up your own thing same thing with dollars to donuts right you've got this donut display in your shop and you're kind of doing your own thing and that's one of the things that make these kind of light to medium weight puzzle games appealing at least to me uh, personally is that i there's levels of interaction with other players that are fun, but there's not a lot of like really big feel bad moments of like, oh, I'm just gonna come in here and just like mess up what you're doing. Like one thing that's amazing about you know patchwork and a lot of Uve's uh, tiling games and that it, it, is that they're really deep puzzles, but they're also kind of relaxing and they're also mm-hmm. just they let you just build a thing and feel good about it while having those like decision points where, you know, you can be a little mean by taking a tile or that sort of thing. But you're you're totally right. It runs the gamut from probably the simplest being, you know, patchwork or cottage garden all the way up to feast for Odin, which is just one of the most amazing kind of medium slash heavy uh, Euro games, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. it does the spatial puzzle so well, but also does the kind of worker placement and resource management. Um, so that's the it's it's really inspiring to see a designer be able to kind of riff on those ideas, which is something I hope like we'll be able to do with dialing. We've definitely done it yeah. with double sided cards now with Point Salad, our next mm-hmm. game Truffle Shuffle, that comes out in about a month or so, I guess at Gen Con time. 
uh, is another simple rummy style game that has double-sided cards. And, and so like trying to think about a novel component or a series of mechanisms and how you can just kind of build on the the lessons learned from game to game is kind of fun as a designer to mm-hmm. to keep keep going down the same road if if you know it's successful if you know there's something that people have really gravitated towards or something that they really like i think i certainly as a gamer really enjoy that when i see like a series of games like like the cottage garden series i'm like oh this mm-hmm. is really exciting i i can't wait to see where this goes next and so I think I've always gravitated towards that series in particular and Uwe's exploration of tiling to be inspired to say we could do that with different mechanisms. And, and I think it's, it's certainly marketable and something that mm-hmm. I think other people like. Maybe it's just me, but it seems like those games are quite successful, obviously, because they're desi- designed by a great designer. But I think there's something to be said about series, series of games mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree in in a lot of that because like I will gravitate towards uh, personally like designers or a series of games myself of like oh they've already done this I already I really enjoyed that game oh they got a new game coming up let me I'm already interested in checking it out one way or the other whether it be in a series or whether it's a designer following a, a particular design path so Donald's and Donuts is live on Kickstarter for you guys when is that going to? When, when do people have to jump on that before uh, it's too late? I think the campaign goes to August 10th. It's going to be wrapping up August 10th, so okay. we've got a little bit of time. Excellent. Beautiful. And then is there anything else that you guys want to pitch or add on before we call it? For I guess for the remainder of the year, it's really um, dollars to donuts for the Kickstarter, uh, mm-hmm. Truffle Shuffle uh, coming out to retail ASAP, and then, uh, and then Cascadia coming to Kickstarter, uh, which you can uh, get more info on all those by going to, I guess, our website, flatout.games, um, or checking us out Twitter, uh, Instagram, or pretty much everywhere. Awesome. Well, Sean, Rob, uh, it's been great talking with you guys. So thank you for your time and energy for tonight. Yes, thank you. And uh, good luck with the Kickstarter, and good luck with the rest of the year. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. All right. Welcome back. That was our interview. I hope that you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah. Talked to both Rob and Sean from Plato Games in there. Had a lot to say. A lot of uh, creative thought process of how the, the triple threat that they've created has mm-hmm. come up with uh, not only some games that they put through other publishers like Points Out, but now bringing Donuts and Donuts to Kickstarter so they can self-publish it. I think it's going to be exciting. I wish them the best of luck in their campaign mm-hmm. and if you go to uh, kickstarter and search dollars for donuts you will find it now and as i believe sean said it should be good until august so you have got some time now to check it out see what it's about and jump on that if you like it i, I think this is actually something i'm going to pick up day one um it does look very promising i do think that this is something that me and my girlfriend could play while still hopefully not self-isolated by the time we receive it but you never know I only look for like a week in advance at this point. You know, I, I plan on being home next week, so, and then I'll let you know what the week after that looks like next week. If you want to reach out to us, uh, of course, uh, we do have our email, tabletoparcanum at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We're also tabletoparcanum on all the things, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Reach out to us. We always love hearing from you guys. Mm-hmm. As always, thanks for listening, and we will talk at you next time with a review of Point Salad. Happy gaming.
You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening.